on the true interpretations of God's word. This is a Hebrew history or a Hebrew cultural book. But in the year 1517, the German theologian Martin Luther had a grand problem with the Catholic Church. And we came up with what is known now as Protestantism and the root word of that being protest. And we as Protestants have been serving God, a Jewish God, a Hebrew God, but he is the God of all people, but he chose the Jewish nation <laughs> to bring his people, to bring his life, his word to life through that nation. And with us dealing with the uh, uh, Jewish culture and then with the uh, uh, Catholic way of serving God and then with the Protestant way of trying to understand God, we've lost a lot of the meaning of Scripture. Amen. And I'm going to try my best today to talk about what we're going to be doing today, but I want people to understand the misconception and the erroneous teaching that has been going on pertaining to the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, or what we call communion. Amen. And as we go through today, I want us to look at some things, and I don't want to do a lot of talking because we already got a lot of reading to do. I got 12.15, and I want to be done within an hour because they tell me it doesn't do any good to teach the human brain information, to try to input information into the human brain for more than an hour. So I want to try to do this within an hour. Honestly speaking, you see all the scriptures we have, and I haven't even given you them all to you yet. So I may go over an hour a little bit. So I'm going to ask that if you do get sleepy, just stand up, amen? amen. Because this is important information. Let's go ahead and start right in our scripture reading this morning, which was 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I want to look uh, at what we know as what happened in the uh, Eucharist. Or at this point, this is actually simply a love feast or an agape feast, or what some people like to call pot love. Amen. This is where this happened. Now we have to understand the majority of Paul's letters, when you read them, you have to read them understanding that those events are not happening at that time that he wrote this. Most of Paul's writings is rebuttals or answers back to letters that was written to him. So the people obviously understood that they were having some problems at the communion service. They wrote Paul about what was going on at their communion service, and Paul writes them a letter back trying to give them instruction on how to straighten up what they were doing, doing their uh, communion service or the Eucharist. And like I said, this rendition, when Jesus did the Passover meal, uh, that's what was done in the upper room. That was the Passover meal that they were celebrating because of what God did for his people when he brought them out of Egypt that night when the death angel went into Egypt. We understand that all those who had the blood of a lamb smeared over the doorpost that the death angel would pass them over. Hence, that's where the holy day of God Passover comes from. So when Jesus is in the upper room celebrating the Passover meal, that's what they're commemorating. Amen? Jesus is not instituting. He's commemorating. Hallelujah. Amen. But what he did at that time by commemorating, he at that time instituted a new way of looking at the Passover. He says that this is my body. Hallelujah. It's just not the blood of some lamb that's over the doorpost. And it's just not the body of any lamb. Jesus is now proclaiming in the New Testament 
tradition of the Eucharist, of the communion, uh, that it is now symbolic of his body that that bread is represented. Amen? Amen. And then he says that this, uh, this wine uh, represents my blood of the new covenant. So Jesus is now, uh, he's commemorated an old thing, but he's instituted a new way of doing it. Amen. So we get, we get to Paul's uh, rendition and explanation, and they obviously were having problems with their communion service because they started verse 17, and Paul writes back and he says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together, watch this, not for the better, but for the worse. In other words, he's saying, listen, when y'all coming together, now remember, they were not at church. They were at a love or an agape feast. Now, where that took place, I really can't say, but I would bet uh, it probably wasn't a Sabbath service that they were at. He tells them that when you come together, you're not coming together for the good. Y'all coming together to stir up trouble. Amen. 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 I'm, I'm going to pause right there. I'm going to see law right there. Because sometimes, how many of you understand that anytime you get to the third phase of Bible study, what you're doing is trying to figure out how is this thing uh, applicable or applicable in our lives today? Amen. So I want to see law right here for a moment. When we come together as a church, are we coming together for the betterment or are we actually having people uh, feeling worse when they leave? And of course, me being the primary leader, that question falls right upon me. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So he says that uh, that we come together. Verse eighteen. For first of all, when we come together in the church, I hear that there is divisions and factions among you. And look at what he says. I partly believe it. We got too many cliques going on in the church, y'all. We got a small church, and we got cliques. Yeah. Now. Just, just to give you a quick example, real quick. Now, I know we, we, we still kind of have COVID, uh, not so much in the back of our minds, but on the forefront of our minds, because honestly, COVID ain't never went nowhere. We had a family member just pop positive, what, last week? Yeah. For COVID. So we know COVID ain't gone nowhere. Hallelujah. Amen. So, we, but we, in the church, we still have a problem as the pastor, and, and we fought many, many days. There were many, many people that died and fought that we would be able to sit up front. But it seems that in the church, nobody wants to come sit up front. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So he says that there's divisions among y'all. And of course, he's not talking about seating arrangements of division. He's talking about that mess going on in the church. Amen. Amen. And even in a little small family church, there's mess going on in the church. Amen. 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 But Paul is encouraging us that that should not be. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. So in verse 19 he says, for there must be also uh, heresies among you. If they got division, it must be heresies, which is error teaching among you. That they which are approved may be made manifest among you. So in a way, he said, listen, having factions, it's nothing really wrong with it until it becomes a problem. And what he means is, there's a difference in those of us that's annoying than those of us that's not. Amen. Only ordained ministers, and anybody that I let preach in this church, I tell them whether I'm going to be here or not, the only people that comes in this pulpit is ordained ministers. Amen. I don't care how much you like your deacon, if you ain't ordained him yet, he don't get to come sit up here with you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Your wife, your first lady, don't get to come sit up here unless she's an ordained minister. Hallelujah. Amen. So there is differences in the church. There's the leadership. There's the pastor. Amen. There's the deacons. There's the congregation. So we understand that there's differences in the titles and positions in the church. Amen. But when it becomes a messy issue, that's a problem. Amen. Amen. So let's, let, let, let's not let our differences become a messy issue. Verse 20 says, when you come together, therefore, in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's supper. Verse 21, for in eating, everyone takes before his others, his, before other, his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunk. Mm. And what they were really doing, when you read the notes on what he's talking about, basically the rich people were going up eating first and leaving the less fortunate behind but who really needed those, those meals more? Amen. So this is the mindset that we have, even in this culture. We are respecters of persons. So I've, I've heard this uh, through the news media that when Oprah Winfrey goes places, she's like a billionaire. But when she goes places, they let her eat for free. Yeah. But if somebody who's less, uh, le less economically stable than Oprah show up, they got to pay for their meal. Well, that's opposite of what it, the way it really should be. Amen. Oprah can afford to pay for her food. Amen. 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 So what was happening at the Agape Feast, you got those of status, the head elders, the bishops, they were going in front of everybody. And not only were they going in front of everybody, because that's not even the problem, but how many of you ever been to a, a, a fellowship meal or a crawfish ball or something, and you got the first people in the front of the line hollering their plates up this high? <laughs> Or, sing, or fix it to go plates already, and you got 30 people behind you that hadn't even eaten at all yet. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. You ever been somewhere like that? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Listen, we don't mind you fix it to go plates, but let's wait till everybody that ate at least one time. Amen. And watch this. We really don't mind you fixing plates this high as long as you leave some food for the people that. See, this is what Paul was addressing, and it's honestly, it's ridiculous to have to even address these type of issues in church. But obviously, Paul was having to address it. Amen. So verse 21 again says, For in eating, everyone takes before other his own supper, and one is left hungry, and another, one is hungry, and another is drunk. And the reason he has drunk them because they were they were using real wine back then. Yeah. Amen. 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 Verse 22. He says, What? Have you not homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise just the church of God just that much? Mm. And shame them that have not. What shall I say? Shall I praise you in this? I'm not going to praise you in this, Paul said. Mm. He says, for I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That, the, that Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had taken, he gave thanks. He broke it and said, take ye and eat. This is my body, which has been broken for many. This is this do in remembrance of me. Hallelujah. Verse 25, it says, after the same manner, he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do as often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26, he says, for as often as you eat or drink the bread and drink this cup, do it to show the Lord's death until he come. 
Verse 27 is really what I'm trying to get to. Verse 27, he says, Wherefore, or therefore, whosoever shall eat this bread or drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, everybody say unworthily. Unworthily. Matter of fact, give me a few other words that your Bible might say. What other versions of the Bible are we looking at? Is unworthy in all of them? Unworthy, yes. Yes. Amen. Let me, let me go to my Bible book. Y'all give me just a second. Because I want to I look at these words that's used for the word unworthy. And in every version, it, honestly, it may be the same word. Let me, let me look. So the NIV says unworthy. The Living Translation, unworthy. The Berean Bible, unworthy. The Berean Study Bible, unworthy. Mm -hmm. The King James, unworthy. Unworthy, 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 unworthy. Uh-oh. Look at that. Every version, I'm on the Aramaic, it says unworthy. Contemporary says unworthy. I mean, this word is used basically in every translation of the Bible. Now, this word unworthy is the uh, Greek word anexios. Anexios. And this word uh, unworthy, or the Greek word anexios, basically means that it has been tested and found lacking or not equal to the task, or unfit, or inappropriate. So in other words, he's saying, don't do this in an inappropriate or an unfit way, or falling short of what God says has value. In other words, as he told Peter, don't call nothing unclean that I have called clean. Amen. So if God has said something is worthy, <coughs> it is worthy, amen? Amen. So we sometimes have been taught that this version is telling us, let me get back to my spot. Amen. Therefore, whosoever shall eat this bread or drink this cup, so let's go through our definitions again, who's unfit or in an inappropriate way. Now, when we get to this section, Remember when we was doing the book of Revelation, and I kept using this term. When you read something new, don't forget what you've already learned. So, what is the true context of what Paul is telling them? What is making Paul use this word unworthy? Because what were they doing up above that we just took time to read? Let's make sure we stay in context. The context that Paul is calling unworthy is y'all coming to church for a messy reason. Y'all coming to church, you got the rich eating before the poor. Y'all got difference in factions and everything going on. And then you want to come before God and act all holy and righteous. He said you shouldn't do that. Come, come to the agape feast. Respect one another. Honor one another. Share evenly with one another. And then when you come and take the Lord's supper, your heart is right. Keep it in context. Amen. Amen. Like my boss at the radio station says, use the KISS system. I say, what is that KISS? He said, keep it simple. Keep it simple. And when we read this text, for many, many years and many, many sermons, this has been taken out of context. But we can, we can, because what pastors started to do is they started to exegete this scripture. When there's no exegesis needed, all you got to do is read how he started, and you would be able to read this scripture in context. 
the context of this scripture, what made them to be able to take the Lord's Supper unworthily was the frame of mind that they had when they came into the room. Amen. You can't get a bogart over somebody. You came here to show your status and your title. You came here to show how pompous and arrogant you can be. He said that made you unworthy. I want to say that because, listen, matter of fact, let me get to examine yourself, and I'm going to talk about it some more. So he says in verse 28, but let every man do what? Examine himself. Examine himself. This word examine comes from this Greek word dokamatso, dokamatso, which it means to test or to show something is acceptable or something is approved of. That's what it means, that something is approved of or something uh, has been revealed as good. In other words, you've tested it. Now I'm going to use this for an example because we always like to use this example when we talk about faith. When we talk about faith, we always use the example that we do have faith. Sometimes our faith is weak in God, but it shows that we have faith because nobody came in this room and shook their chair and tested it to see if it worked. Did you? No. no. You just turned around and said it. You trusted that it would work. Well, a lot of things in life, what God says is you, first of all, one scripture come to mind says you got to test what? Yeah. <laughs> test the spirit yeah. and see if, if it's of God. Amen. So it's good. Watch this. Teach your children to test that little boy, that little girl they're going to call themselves like. Amen. Amen. So we have to learn if something is acceptable or approved of. So let's read this in context now. Verse 28 says, let every man make sure he's approved of. Let's make sure that every man, now look at how, he, look at how the scripture is read. For he, wait, verse 28, let every man examine who? Himself. Himself. Examine yourself. Right now, spouses, this ain't for you to be looking around the room at your mate pointing out their faults. He says, let each of us examine ourselves Amen. to see if we actually taking this uh, communion in a worthy or an unworthy manner. Amen. And right now, in this context, what he's saying is, did you come in the room with the right spirit? Mm. Did you come in the room with the right motive? Amen. And I always like to teach on this because through our uh, exegeting of this scripture, we have actually, in the Protestant church, we have actually tried to, because of this scripture, examine yourself, we have traditionally tried to find reasons to have people not to take communion. Yeah. We use this scripture about examine yourself. Well, if you still smoking no you put examine <laughs> your heart, if you still drinking and examine, that's not what he's talking about. Yeah. How did you come into the room? I'm, I'm really going to break it down to you now. Because after you, after you understand that you have to find yourselves worthy by examining yourselves to make sure that you came in the room with the right spirit, that's the context of this scripture. Hallelujah. Amen. Next thing he tells us is, in verse 29, he says, For he that eateth or drinketh in an unworthy manner, what is the unworthy manner, church? Before I move on, let's make sure we clear. What is the unworthy manner that Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28? What is the unworthy manner he's talking about? Factions, not respecting one another at the agape feast table, eating before one another. 
disregarding those who are not as rich or powerful as you. That's the context. Amen? Then we get to the examine yourself. He wasn't talking about look at your purse if you still got new court. Examine your heart. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Then he comes to this word, verse 29. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthy, he eats and drinks damnation on himself, not discerning the Lord's body. That's what we're going to stay for the rest of today. Amen. Do you really understand, in other words, what Jesus has done for you? He said, listen, let me, let, me, let me break this thing down for you, make a plan. Paul is saying, listen, y'all been in here bickering, arguing, fighting, disrespecting one another, pushing people away from the food so you can be greedy and take it all. That's why he made that statement. Don't y'all have homes to eat and drink at? Amen. If you was hungry, you should have ate there because this is more about fellowship than it is about food. Amen. Now, now tell the truth. How many of y'all have seen folk when they go to a buffet and win a lot of food around, they lose their doggone mind? <laughs> Some people lose their mind when they see a lot of food. Amen. This is what Paul is addressing. He's addressing the issue of disrespecting one another, having factions and dissensions between one another. Then he says this, that when you get ready to take the Lord's body, you got to be able to understand what it is that Jesus has done for you. Amen. Now, in the middle of preaching, sometimes we start saying some things like, oh, he woke me up this morning. He did that. Hallelujah. Amen. He's got me in my right mind. He did that. Hallelujah. He started me on my way. He picked me up. He turned me around. He placed my feet. He, he has done all of those things. I'm not wiping any of those things away. But I want to show you today what Jesus has really done for you. Because I think if we really understood and we really gravitated to what Jesus has really done for us, we would be in this place shouting. We would be in this place standing up on our feet. We would be clapping our hands. We would be giving God glory. So I'm getting ready to show you what it is that Jesus has really done for you. And if you went ahead and start reading some of the scriptures I gave you, you'll already have a clue of what Jesus has done for us. Let's go. Who got the first scripture? Uh, John, John, 1 John, chapter 3, verse 8. Read that for me. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Just say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus came. One of the reasons Jesus came. Everybody say one of the reasons. One of the reasons. One of the reasons Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil in our lives. Amen. 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 Don't even know when to shout the holler. So man, you know what that just told me? That just told me you don't even take it seriously that the devil, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil Amen. in your life. Amen. I do. Amen. Amen. Listen to me. Listen to me, Kevin. How you praise and worship God is how you praise and worship God. Amen. 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 Okay, watch this, watch this. He who sows a little reaps a little. He who sows a lot. He who sows abundantly. Reaps abundantly. Don't you know that your praise and worship is a form of sowing? Amen. Amen. And, 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 and a lot of times church folk come to church and you act like you ain't got nothing to be happy about. You act like you ain't got nothing to praise God about. <laughs> well, that's just not my nature, Pastor. I'm just not. Well, I've seen you at the card table. 
You show sure holler that. I seen you at the bingo hall. That listen, you better holler bingo loud. Yeah. I seen you at the casino when the money started falling out the thing. I seen you watching the Golden State Warriors. I seen you watching the Dallas Cowboys. You sure know how to shout when that's over. But we come into the house of God, and God, the Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil in your life. How many you know? This is why we're still walking around with the works of the devil affecting our lives, because you don't realize that Jesus has destroyed that. Amen. Now, we get ready to take communion, and honestly, you don't even realize what Jesus has done for you. Amen. See, we're still going with the elementary level things. He woke me up this morning. Well, unsaved folk woke up this morning. Yeah. Yeah. He started me on my way. Money could motivate you to get out of bed. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Amen. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Aha. That's another thing that he did. He came Amen. to destroy the works of the devil, and he came to take our sins away. Amen. But this is the good part about that. It is not as though once you become saved that you will never sin again. Yeah. What Jesus has, how he's taken our sin away is he's removed the punishment and the penalty of those sins. Amen. When you accept Jesus as your personal savior, you are no longer under the punishment and penalty of sin. Amen. We should not sin, but I'm, I'm just going to be honest to you. I don't know how not to sin as long as I'm in this flesh. Yeah, yeah. My mind don't think so. How many of y'all know that sometimes your thoughts can get you when it comes to sin? Amen. You may never act it out, but we play product with pornography in our mind all day long. Hallelujah. Every little fine little girl across your path, you got almost undressing with your eye. You may never ask her for her number, you might not even speak to her, but you can have a whole thing going on in your mind. How many of us understand that sometimes we can get ourselves into sin uh, hereditarily? There's some things just living on this earth, living in this free country of America that we do that goes against God's word. Amen. And we don't think about it every day. We wake up every day and drive vehicles filled with petrochemicals. We try to stop using fossil fuels right now because it's destroying God's earth. My friend John Beard went to the COP26 meeting and they had at that meeting, if the earth core temperature raises 1.5 degrees Celsius, which is 34 degrees Fahrenheit, this place will burn. Yeah, yeah. But we still drive it around like ain't nothing wrong. Hallelujah. Why? Because why? It's, it's a normal thing for us to sin. So the Bible says that Jesus came to take our sins away, but what he really took away is not the ability to sin. He took the ability from sin. Amen. You see, Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. He had, Because listen, once you accept Jesus Christ, the devil ain't got nothing to hold over your head no more. Amen. Amen. Because what the devil holds over our head, scaring us all the time, is I might die. Amen. Oh, I got to be careful with that because I might die. got to watch what I eat because I might die. See, the devil is always holding death over you. And when the devil has death over you, he has you living in fear. Amen. It's one of his greatest weapons. Yeah. One of the devil's greatest weapons in fear is fear. Yeah. So now Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, he says, oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, death, where's your power? In other words, being in Christ has taken that sting of death away. It's Amen. taken the power of Amen. death away. So I can walk around this earth more. I can walk around this earth with confidence. Amen. Why? Because Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, through accepting him as my 
my personal Savior, if the punishment and penalties of my sins have been wiped away. Hallelujah. How many of y'all like that? Amen. 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 Come on, let's look at another thing that he's done for us. Who got 2 Corinthians 2.11? 2 Corinthians 2.11. Stand and read that for us. I'm retaining it. Yes, sir. Not only you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgotten given anything, I have forgiven that one for your sake in the presence of Christ. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his device. That's right. That's right. Amen. He says we are not ignorant Amen. of his devices. Amen. Now, you have to be able to check out the whole once again. Let's look at the context of what he's talking about in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 11. The context of what he's talking about is make sure when you got beef with somebody that y'all forgive each other quick because the devil will use that against you. Amen. See what he says in, in, verse, uh, in, in, in verse 11, when he says that we are not ignorant of his devices, you got to read ahead, uh, back up top, and see what device is he talking about. The devil uses unforgiveness. Remember the book Shadow Boxing? Yeah. And it had those five open doors that we have to close so the devil don't get legal access? Yeah. What was number one open door? Forgiveness. Unforgiveness. unforgiveness. And we walking around with a whole lot of... Uh <laughs> let, me, let me see lot real quick. I want to talk slow right here. Because some of us need to get this forgiveness thing straight in our hearts. Too many of us, too many of us, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, too many of us walking around with unforgiveness in our hearts right now. And what he's saying is, is the devil is using that as a device in your life. Amen. Amen. So it behooves you to go forgive somebody. Amen. Now go read the whole thing. Go read it from verse uh, from wow. verse 1 on down, and you will see that the, the device he's talking about is unforgiveness. And what I've learned, you know, now for the last few years, you know I'm not making this up because I've been saying this for the last few years. If you want to test how much you love somebody, see if you can forgive them when they make you mad. Amen. See, forgiveness is the litmus test for love. Yeah. True love says that I'll forgive you when you do me wrong. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So the, one of the devices that the devil uses is unforgiveness. Amen. Now I'm going to give you a moment to just think real quick. Who are you holding unforgiveness against right now? We're going to move on. Amen. 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 So let's identify, let's identify this enemy so that we would be able to understand, because that's what Paul was actually addressing as well in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 at the Eucharist service. He was addressing unforgiveness because these people were being rude to one another. Hallelujah. And remember now, in most of Paul's writings, what he's doing is answering letters back that they had written him. So obviously they had had an upper room service somewhere, they had had an agape feast somewhere, and somebody got their feelings hurt. I love what Mayo preached last night. Pastor Mayo preached last night that if you want to come to, if you want to get hurt, come to church. Because they don't have, if the usher don't hurt your feelings at the door, the person you sat by is going to hurt your feelings, and if that don't happen, the preacher going to hurt your feelings. Amen. If you want your feelings hurt, go to church. Amen. So let's identify the thing that we need to recognize that Jesus is doing for us. Identifying your enemy. Let's go. Who got Genesis 3? Genesis chapter 3. 
Just start right at verse 1. I'm going to stop you when you get there. Genesis chapter 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. There we go. We can stop right there. Thank you so much. The <laughs> serpent. Now, this is what I found out. If you don't mind, Jack, I don't know if you're there or not, but pull it up on the computer. Let's go to the interlinear. Because I want to show you something about this word, a serpent. It's G, it actually is H5175. But when you're doing your interlineal searches and you want to see what this word means in an original text, always hit the little arrow next to the Hebrew word to see what the next word and the word before it is. Because a lot of times what it's going to show you is like in, in this text. The word 5175 and the word 5172 is the same word. Matter of fact, when we look at 5175, which is nakosh, which means serpent, but if you go down to the uh, Hebrew translation of the word, to the strong exhaustive concordance, just keep scrolling down to the strong exhaustive concordance, and it's going to give you the word nakash again. Hit that word nakash, it's going to take you to uh, H5172, which is the word nakash. One is nakash, one is nakash, but look at what the word means. Practice. One who practices divination. divination. Observe signs. One who practices divination. Mm -hmm. You see, so when we look at this word serpent, in our English mind, in our American mind, we just think of a snake. But he was more than a, just a snake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Trying to get back to my scripture. He was more than just a snake. So yeah. now let's read let's read Genesis three and one with our definition of the word nakash. It says now the one who was good at divination, he was the more subtle of all the beasts of the field. Now, if you don't realize this, that Lucifer, Satan, the devil, the dragon is a created being. Hallelujah. Amen. And I've been saying this recently to caution us. When we speak about the serpent, the dragon, the devil, uh, 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 all those other names that we have for him, we speak of him. Watch this. Let me let me let me show you something. I let's do let's power. do an opposite test real quick. Hot, cold, male, female, rich, poor, God, devil. See, that's just what we think. We think that the, the devil is equal to the opposite of God. Yeah. But no, he is not. He the has devil no power. has not, no power. The devil does not have no power. Amen, 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 amen. When we read the book of Revelation, the Bible says about the beast that there was given to him a mouth to speak blasphemies against God. God, listen, God had, the, the book of Job teaches us this. The devil has no power to do nothing to nobody unless God opens the door for him to do it. Are you leading and a lot of things we blame it on the devil, it was God that did it. Who sent that death angel into Egypt that night? God. God, that was the devil. Who prepared that fish for Job? God. You see, so it's a lot of things we said, oh, look at what the devil doing. Honey, that ain't the devil, that's God trying to get your attention. Man. Look how the devil sent coronavirus through here. Honey, the devil ain't got uh, control over pestilence. 
Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. That's God. Amen. God is trying to get our attention. Amen. You see, so this serpent now, he's more than just a snake. He's one who practices divination. Now, okay, buckle up real tight. Tell your neighbor, buckle up real tight. Okay. Let me show you why I know for sure he has divination powers. And the word divination is a word that means uh, conjuring up spirits and, and uh, 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 come on, seances. Uh, 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 the occult. Yeah, rituals. And stuff. Rituals. Come on, let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Now, let me show you how I know. See, this is what Jesus is doing for us, y'all. Jesus is keeping us protected from one who practices divination. Amen. Come on, Genesis chapter 6. Go ahead and start reading. I'm stopping when you get to the good part. Then the people began to multiply on the earth, and daughters were born to them. Sons of God saw the beautiful women and took any they wanted as their wives. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not put up with humans for much such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. In those days, and for some time after John's Nephilim lived on the earth for whenever whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. And what version of the Bible do you read? Because I love it. Right. It used the word Nephilim. Now, what Jesus is keeping us from, see, you need to know this before you take communion. Because he says, do you discern or do you understand or do you recognize what Jesus is actually doing for us? And the Protestant church is so elementary in their teachings that we really don't realize the deep things that Christ is doing for us. But do you realize right now what this is saying? That there were fallen angels. Now this word giant, when you look at this word in its original text, it doesn't always mean a huge person. Sometimes it does. You have to open it up, look at the interlinear, and find out which word is that. But a lot of times this giant can also mean a powerful person, a king, a person of authority. So we see now, but right here, we know it's talking about Nephilim. That's why I like her, her reading of it, because it told us that these were fallen angels, that these were Nephilim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Nephilim practiced divination. Yeah. Now, once again, we explained this, this morning, for those of us, uh, for those people who listen to Sabbath Rest on Facebook Live, see if you come here to Sabbath Rest, we could be able to teach you all the things that we know about Scripture. But a lot of people just watch it online, so I like to explain this, that in this church, I don't bring the apocryphal books in the, in the pulpit, but we do read the apocryphal books here. They're called the lost books. And I pointed out this morning why we believe that reading the lost books is good, because our Bible says, as it is written in the book of Enoch. Yeah. Well, well, if our Bible says it, if you want to go find it, it's in Jude, that little bitty one chapter book right before Revelation. 
It says the book of Enoch. It's in our Bible, which means it must be okay to go read that book. Because if the ones who wrote our Bible was reading it, I don't see no problem with us reading it. Amen. Well, we found out this morning that what that was, First Samuel and Joshua, it uses the term as it was written in the book of Yeshua. Well, it starts with the J. It's Jasher if you're going to pronounce it in English. But object, well, if, if, if Samuel and Joshua was reading in the book of Jasher, I want to read the book of Jasher. So that's why we mention other books. If you watch us by Facebook Live, you'll hear us mention other books that our Bible don't have. Amen. But the reason we feel comfortable in using those other books because the writers of our Bible read those books. Amen. Did I just make that clear enough? Amen. 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 So what we found out, when we read in Yeshua chapter 7, you'll see that there are uh, uh, princesses, it's one term that's used, they're uh, fallen angels that fell to the earth. They are now still in charge of the earth. And I want to tell you vehemently, I know where fire came from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And fire did not come from killing men banging two rocks together with a stick. Mm -hmm. These angels, these fallen angels that practiced divination, they started teaching human beings about divination. When you read Yeshua chapter 7, you will read about Azazel, who was one of the top fallen angels. How he began to teach the people about astrology, about uh, the mixing of potions and things of that nature. I don't want to take a lot of time on it, but I always tell folk, don't get mad. Get educated. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Protestant church has boxed our mind in about God. There's so much in this Bible about demonic forces that we don't realize it is the demonic forces that's ruining our lives right now. Hallelujah. Amen. There's demonic influences all around. We have guardian angels in this room watching over us right now. Well, why in the world would you need a guardian angel watching over you unless you had an enemy angel trying to attack you? Yeah. Amen. There ain't no need to put no guard dog where it ain't nothing to be guarded. Amen. Amen. But the Protestant church is so elementary in its teaching that it has not really given us the true ramification of what's going on around us. And you wondering why you trying your best and your life is still towed up from the flow up is because that I'm going to keep on. Oh, Lord, I got to keep on teaching. Amen. I got to keep. So let me make sure we caught what Genesis chapter 6 is saying. That the sons of God are Nephilim. Those are fallen angels that fell with Satan. And they saw that uh, the, the daughters of men, in other words, human women, were fine and beautiful. And I love your rendition that you read because it said that they had intercourse with them. Yeah. They copulated. Hallelujah. They had sex. Whatever word you want to use, you got now divine beings having sex with human beings, making a mixed race. Honestly, that's one of the reasons for the flood. Yeah. One of the reasons God had to send the flood is obviously Nephilim can't swim. Yeah. Yeah. Because God had to eradicate that mixed race. But watch this. Let's look at what scripture she read again, though. In verse, what that was where it says, verse 4. Let's look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days, and what? Also, and also after that. Goliath. Goliath comes from the city of Gath. Yeah. And the whole city was giants. Yeah. The Anak. 
You see it in the Bible. You read right over it. But the Anaks, those were giants. Those specifically was Nephilim, was fallen angels. So we got to do more studying because we come into church. Listen, we come into church. We pay our tithes. We sing in songs. And you can't figure out why is my life still so messed up. Well, nobody is teaching you that there are demonic forces against all of us that stand up for God. Amen. So if you stand up for God, if you call it yourself a Christian, not only do you have a adversary, you have many adversaries wow. in the form of demons and wicked angels. Amen. Come on, let's go. Isaiah 14. Boy, oh, time flies. Look at it, it's almost one already. Amen. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Isaiah chapter 14. Let me show you where to start reading that. Start reading that verse 12 for me, Lord. Isaiah 14. Let's start reading that verse 12. Because remember, Daniel got 
Nebuchadnezzar's heart changed. Yeah. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar right. wrote chapter, what, four of the book of Daniel? So Nebuchadnezzar's heart changed. But his son, Belshazzar, who was the one who was in the drunken orgy when the handwriting on the wall came, when they had took all the artifacts out of the temple and right. started drinking wine at an orgy out of God's goblets. Right. That's Belshazzar. Not Belteshazzar, that's Daniel's Hebrew name. So you gotta understand when you read Daniel, you gotta pay attention because you're gonna see Belteshazzar, which is Daniel's Hebrew name, but you're gonna also see Belshazzar, who is the, the wicked king. When you get to around chapter nine or where it was, talking about the handwriting on the wall in the book of Daniel. Right. Well, God had put the handwriting on the wall because he was for the kill law. Mm-hmm. But when we talk him. about Babylon, we have him. to go to the first king of Babylon. He did kill him. And his name was Nimrod. Now, our Bible, the Protestant Bible, the 66 Bible, the 66 book Bible, does us such a disservice when it comes to this guy Nimrod. Somebody find Nimrod in Genesis in our, in our Bible. Let me show you how puny the explanation about Nimrod is. And it leaves you thinking that Nimrod was a man, an honorable man before God. But Nimrod wasn't an honorable man before God. When it says that Nimrod was a man before God, a man right now, he was a man who stood against God. He was a man who built the Tower of Heaven to go take over God. And this is why when we get to the book of Revelation, chapter 17, 18, and 19, it's going to emphatically keep telling us that Babylon has fallen. Yeah. Why is it calling it Babylon? Because of Nimrod trying to go to heaven and take over heaven, he tried to, listen, let me tell you how crazy this man must have been. He tried to keep God out, out of heaven. heaven. Yeah. yeah. Now, did anybody find Nimrod in our Bible? 10 what and 8. the only thing it said about him in round verse? 10 and 8, huh? What did it say? Ain't that great? Now, now, honestly, just yeah. be honest. By reading what she just read, wouldn't you come out with a positive impression of Nimrod? Yes. Yeah. He was a man of renown before the Lord. Mm -hmm. you, you got to study on who Nimrod was, but the only way you're going to study it, you got to get yourself in the pocket. Amen. And it will show you what a vicious king Nimrod was. Yeah. Matter of fact, let me make this point. Our puny Bible don't even call him a king, and that's what he was. He was the king of Nimrod. I mean, he was the king of uh, Babylon, the king of Shinar specifically. Mm -hmm. But Shinar was the city where they built the Tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. And that's actually where Babylon gets its name from, that Tower of Babel. Babel, Babylon. Son of Cush. And in our Protestant Bible, because of fear and manipulation, they lead us to believe that Nimrod was an honorable man before God, but he was not. Because you gotta ask yourself, if Nimrod was an honorable man before God, why is God so happy and all of heaven is so happy in the book of Revelation when Babylon falls? Mm. Amen. Amen. And this is what Jesus is helping us with, because what I want to tell you before we move on is you gotta be careful about accepting the Babylon spirit. Amen. And the Babylon spirit is running rampant in our culture today. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. Let's go to Ezekiel. Let's go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28. What verse? 
28. Start at uh, around verse 11, I think this will start. Yeah. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou fillest up the sum, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been indeed the garden of God, every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, the topaz, and the diamond, the braille, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed sheriff that covered, and I have sent thee so. Thou waste upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast waked up, walked up, and down in the midst of some of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created. Until iniquity was found in thee. This boy was number one in heaven. Mm-hmm. So did all. This boy was right under the fall. The big for the little, the little for the big. And the son. In heaven. Yeah. Did you see all the things that he was in charge of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was beautiful. Watch this. Let me dispel Hollywood right now. The devil, Lucifer, is not an ugly man with horns and a pitchfork. Mm-hmm. The devil is beautiful. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm going to show you when we get to Revelation that he... He, I'm not going to say he's one person, but he is one entity. He's beautiful. He was created with the great, look at, he was the best person. You can't beat him crazy. He was the best praise worshiper ever. Let's look at, look at, look, look at what he said. Where it talks about his pipes and his train. In verse 13. The workmanship of thy temperance and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. You had a beautiful voice. He was the first and the best praise team leader ever. But you know what? That wasn't good enough for him. Mm-hmm. So if we would have kept reading in Isaiah, the devil got in his mind because of the Babylon spirit. Now let me tell you what I'm showing about the Babylon spirit. This is what Jesus, you got to understand what Jesus is doing for us, y'all. Amen. This little elementary stuff that the Protestant church Amen. is teaching, that ain't it. No, let me, let me take that back. That's it, but it's much more that goes with it. And the, the, the Jesus that we serve is keeping us protected. This is why it was so important that Jesus said, when I leave, I'm going to make sure the Father sent the Holy Spirit to come be your what? Leading guide. Comforter. Your lead and your guide. Why? Because you are under spiritual attack everywhere. Amen. 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 So, if we would have kept reading in Isaiah, we would have read what he said five times, I. Ah. We got to be careful about getting the Babylon spirit. Amen. I will ascend before the throne of God. Amen. I will ascend above the stars. I, I, I. That I mentality. Amen. Getting ready for this lesson and reading this book is really humbling me and making me stop trying to be so all that. Because that's the Babylon spirit. Amen. Amen. That's the King Nimrod spirit. Amen. That I'm going to build a tower into heaven and shoot arrows of fire up into heaven trying to kill y'all got to get oh lord y'all got to get educated amen 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 let's go to daniel chapter 9 let's move hastily daniel chapter 9 
Now, all this stuff we're talking about, now, I hope y'all taking notes and marking this down so you can read it on your own. I don't have time to tell it all, but I wanted to show you exactly what Jesus is doing for us. Watch this. Not what Jesus has done, what Jesus Amen. is doing Amen. through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Genesis, uh, uh, Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. I know I said 9. I'm sorry. We're going to read verse 9. 10 and 9. Keep going. Suddenly a hand touched me and set, and set me trembling on my hands and knees. Mm -hmm. He said to me, Daniel, you are a man who is highly precious. Consider carefully the words that I am about to say to you. Stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Mm -hmm. Do not be afraid, Daniel, he said. For from the first day that you come to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Amen. Amen. All right, we're in the New Testament now. 
Who got John 13? Let me show you something. John chapter 13, we're going to read verse 2 and we're going to read verse 27. Who got John 13? We're going to read verse 2 and verse 27. Go ahead. It was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas. Uh-oh. Now, in one, uh, in one version, it says, not her version says he had already prompted him, but in another version it says he already had entered him. Do, are you just, read that for me again one more time, Sister Ty. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Jews. Son of Simon, is to betray Jesus. They getting ready to eat the Passover meal. And the, I mean, thank you so much. I mean, this stuff be getting me excited. Maybe it's just me. Amen. That, listen, they, at church, they with Jesus. They get ready to pass over men, and the devil is present. Yeah. And not only is he present, he entered in to Judas's heart. Hmm. 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 John ten and ten. Say John ten and ten. Let's quote it together. We all know it. Oh, Sister so Ty got it. Amen. 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 The devil ain't came to do nothing but three things in your life. Kill, steal, Kill and destroy. Steal it, and destroy. That's what his job is. And let me tell you something about the devil. He's a good devil. Yeah. He's good at killing, stealing, and destroying. But I'm so glad that we have Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. Come on. Amen. There's demonic forces trying to influence your children. Amen. Oh, this is 
what I forgot to say. Thank you, Holy Spirit. With Lucifer, with what we read in Ezekiel, that he was the best praise team leader, his voice, the Bible says that his trouble and his pipes was preparing him from the beginning. The devil is into music. Oh, y'all didn't catch me. The devil is into music, and he's still using his abilities in music to trap our children today. Because you see why they got them earbuds in? See, the bad thing about when we was growing up, mom and them knew what we was listening to, because they could hear it too. But these days, we don't know what they listening to because they got their earbuds in. Let me tell you something that I learned a long time ago with AOL. Whenever you would walk in a room and somebody was on the computer and they was doing something they didn't want you to know about, they would click it, but she would bust them out every time. Goodbye. <laughs> it ain't like that no more. You walk up behind somebody on their cell phone, those of you who got children, if every time you pass by your child and they switch their page real quick, or they, it happens every now and then you might walk in the room just at that time when they're doing it. But every time you walk in the room, all of a sudden they fumbling. <laughs> clicking their page, fumbling. They're doing something they don't want you to see. And the devil is into the music, y'all. I, I had to revert back to Ezekiel real quick to tell you that. Yeah. The devil is into the music. And uh, Jay-Z, one of my favorite rappers, but they going to hell. Uh, uh, Cardi B, Megan is that. Y'all know better than I do. What's their name? With all that dirty, vulgar, killing and murdering and down-talking and degrading women. What's their name? You know better than I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they going to go to hell. And if you keep listening and supporting that mess, you follow them. Amen. Amen. What's this entertainment, Pastor? No, it's the spirit of Babylon. But I'm glad I read my Bible all the way to the back. Yeah. I read it all the way to Revelation. And Babylon is going to fall. All those 30, all the 30, all those shows. We need to lobby Hollywood. How many of y'all remember in the late 80s when they lobbied Hollywood and they made them put the explicit stickers on the song? What well, ain't enough? We need to shut them down. And the best way to shut somebody down is stop buying their problems. Are we Christians enough to do it? Are we Christians, are you too busy when you get off work? Are you too tired when you get off work? Is your work your everything? We got real work to do on this earth. And if all you got to say is I got to go to work, I'm at work, or I'm coming from work, I'm done with you. Because you're not on the battlefield fighting for God. If this job needs to be your primary job, that job is your secondary job. Amen. But this job should be the Christian's primary job. Amen. Hallelujah! Amen. They got too much going on on this earth for us to be talking about a, a party and a picnic. Yeah. Amen. Oh, I'm at work. Oh, you know I gotta go to work. Oh, I just got off work. Work gonna send you straight to hell. Amen. Glad you don't have a lot of money, but guess what? They ain't gonna get you out of it, yeah. Amen. 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 Come on, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10 and 4. What I'm showing you is the spiritual battle. This is what I'm showing you. Every scripture I'm showing you is how the devil is uh, uh, sneaking in, creeping in to our lives. This is what I'm showing you. And this is what Jesus and the Holy Ghost is protecting us from. And you need to understand that before you come partake of his blood in his body. Amen. Amen. Come on. 2 Corinthians 10, read verse 4. Well, oh, I didn't kill that one nobody else. We use God's mighty weapons, not rubber weapons, to knock down the strong 
You see, he says, for, uh, I'm going to start at verse 3. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. In other words, we got spiritual weapons, y'all. Amen. They cuss you out, don't cuss them back. Right. That's a carnal weapon. Amen. They slap you. Let's use another example. Let's use, we're going to use another example. But we have spiritual weapons. What, look what he did. He's, he called them mighty. They are mighty and powerful, and they, 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 they pull down anything that sets itself up against God. Now, you've got to understand the word and the language that he's using. What did I show you already trying to set itself up above God? What's his name? What's the city, though? Babylon. Don't forget it. The Babylon spirit. And a lot of us in here got it. I'm talking to myself because I got that old let me be in charge, let me take over. I'm better than drinking water. Amen. I got that attitude bad. I got to get rid of it. I need to learn how to settle down, set back, let go, and let God. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm trying my best. Anybody, y'all know me very well, and you should be able to scratch your head one and say, you know what? Pastor Show hasn't been talking a lot of trash to me lately. That's why. You know what? He sure ain't came around my house calling me stuck. That's why. Because I'm trying to get rid of the Babylon spirit out of my life. I am not all that. I am not the best. Amen. I am not high-lifted up. I am not almighty. I am not all-knowing. All those titles go to God. Hallelujah. Amen. And anybody that try to establish itself uh, above God, that's demonic. That's Babylonian in nature. Come on. Let's go to the next one. Luke 10, 17. So you see now, we got weapons to fight against warfare. Amen? Amen. Luke chapter, what I said, 10, 17. Luke 10, 17. Then the 70 returning with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subjected to us in your name. Keep going, keep going. And he said to them, I saw Satan like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subjected to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, look, look at what he's saying here now. He said, first of all, Satan is real because Jesus said, I saw, I saw him fall like lightning. Yeah. And watch this. When he, get, when he got kicked out of heaven in Revelation 12, when he got kicked out of heaven, where did he get kicked to? Earth. 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 That's right. And the proclamation in Revelation 12, starting at verse 10, is a proclamation. I'm going to shorten it up for you real quick. Heaven, let's rejoice because we got rid of that rascal out of here. But earth, woe to you because he's coming down to y'all. And not only is he coming in y'all down to y'all, he's angry, he know he only got a short time, and he's going to make war with y'all. Are you checking this out? Amen. We are at spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. Let me tell you something about God's grace. It don't cover demonic attacks, y'all. It covers your error and your wrongness. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So you can teach the grace message all you want. The devil ain't scared of the grace message. Matter of fact, he loves it because it weakens you. I'm going to move on. So he says, behold, I give you power to tread over. He'll go out with word again. Now, honestly, tell the truth. When you read this scripture in the past, you thought he was talking about just regular servants and regular scorpions, didn't you? 
No, he's talking about those that practice divination. <clears throat> Spiritual wicked beings that's living all around us right now. You cannot see them. Watch this. When God placed Adam and Eve on the earth, do you know of any scripture that says that he took the devil and the demons off of the earth? No. So when Adam and Eve lost their place in the garden, they got kicked out into what God has told me to define as general population. That's a prison term. Because as long as you're in isolation, you may be in there by yourself, but at least you're safe. But when you get out of isolation, they now put you in general population. And what's in general population? Every criminal out there. So when they got kicked out of the garden, and they got kicked out into general population, they got kicked out and they met the people that Genesis chapter 6 talked about. Those fallen angels. Those Nephilim. Amen. God has never removed them from the earth, y'all. We read the scripture in Genesis 6 and 4 that says there was giants on the earth in those days and after. You still in a demonic, you still in a demonic fight. You still in a spiritual fight. Don't you ever forget that. Do not let your Christian G-A-U-R-D down. Do not let your Christian guard down. Amen. Amen. Because you are in a spiritual attack. Amen. The devil is trying to kill you. And if he can't kill you, he'll steal whatever it is you're trying to benefit from. And if he can't steal it from you, he'll destroy it where it won't work. How many of y'all know folk that got three, four, five nice cars broke out in the yard? I'm going to move on. First John, uh, let's skip that. Let's go. Let's go and go to Revelation. We've been here over an hour. Let's go and go to Revelation. Let's go to Revelation 12. How you say the word? Revelation reveal. Revelation 12. Revelation. Let's start at 12. Let's start at 12. Revelation 12. We're gonna read verse 9. I want you to know who this rascal is. I've been talking to you about for an hour. This is who he is. And the terrible thing about the Protestant church is they are deficient at teaching about spiritual warfare. So most of the people, not everybody, because some people know how to study on their own. And there are actually some churches that teach this. But for the most part, we are leaving our people vulnerable to satanic attacks. And the bad thing about it is, you don't know what's going on. Amen. Revelation 12 verse 9 says, And the great dragon was cast out. Here go his name. The serpent of old. Why? Because we met him in Genesis chapter 3. Amen. Called the devil. Now this word devil comes from the Greek word diablo. Diablo is G1228, and his name means slanderer, slanderer, or false accuser. That's what he does. In Revelation, it says that he accuses us before God day and night. He don't stop. Mm -hmm. He's steadily accusing us before God. And once again, listen to me. I'm cautioning the church about this work thing. I'm at work. I'm getting off of work. I'm on my way to work. Why? Because the devil is accusing us before God day and night. But we, we have an event once a week. We come into church once a week. If you come in once a week. 
Some don't make Bible study at all. Amen. Some of you have relegated in your heart that Bible study is not for you. And the devil tearing you up. Mm -hmm. Your house falling apart, literally. Hallelujah. Amen. And the devil is accusing us before God every day, all day, all night. And the church working on the schedule. Well, you know, we're going to do this in the third month of the year, and then we're going to do this in the fourth month. The devil working all day, every day, and every night. I'm going to move on. Amen. 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 So the word devil means slanderer. The word Satan, from the Hebrew word Satanas, or Hasatan, is uh, G number 4567, and it means adversary. He is your adversary. Mm -hmm. But don't be fooled about him being your adversary, because remember the Bible says that uh, he fooled one-third of God's angels and had them cast out of heaven. And then it says when he got thrown out of heaven, him and his angels got thrown out of heaven. So in other words, there's a demonic team against you. It ain't just the devil, honey. He got a team. Mm -hmm. Just like we on God team. Mm -hmm. How many of y'all know that they got Satan worshipers? Amen. Out there in Spring, Texas. They got a church. They got billboards on the side of the highway in Houston and everything. They inviting people to church. When the last time you invited somebody to church? Mm. They building their church. Yeah. And remember, they fight all day. Every day. Every day. So I wanted to show you this, because as we partake of these sacred emblems, I needed you to know what it is you need to understand and discern about the body of Jesus. What has the body of Jesus done for me? Well, now you've got a gathering of scriptures to go to, to show somebody, this is what Jesus is doing for us. Jesus is keeping us from demonic attack. Amen. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, we are protected by God's angels. Hallelujah. Amen. So as we partake of these sacred emblems today, I want you to partake of these sacred emblems with confidence. Amen. I want you to take these part, partake of these sacred emblems with boldness. Amen. Because we can stand in awe of God and his goodness. He's keeping us protected from all of these demonic attacks that's going on around us. Recognize what the body of Jesus is doing for us. It ain't just about so we can be free. The body of Jesus is keeping us alive. He's keeping us safe. He's keeping us protected. The Bible says that the devil does nothing but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm so glad that Jesus came that I may have life and have it to the fullest. So as I walk on this earth, I ain't got to walk on this earth scared. Why? Because I know there's demonic angels around me, yeah. but I also know I got protective angels. Amen. Fight my battle. Ain't that what Daniel said? Daniel said that he prayed to God, but it took 21 days for the answer to get there because there was a demonic fight going on in the spiritual world that Daniel could not see. Hallelujah. Amen. So God is protecting us. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God is protecting us. Somebody shout God is my protector. God is my protector. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Give God glory. The things that he's doing for us. Amen. These are not little things that God is doing for us. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? I'd be somewhere sleeping in my grave. Hallelujah. He's protecting us, church. 
Amen. You got to know it before we come partake of these sacred elements. Amen. Let's go ahead and prepare.